humans with resources. The human side of innovation. Hello and welcome to Human with Resources. I'm Kristen Berry, the host of this podcast, and I'm so happy to be here today. I'll be talking to Paul Ridlitton. On Human with Resources, a podcast with Unusual, we discuss the human side of innovation and creativity with guests from an array of global organizations. We at Unusual believe, as you do, that organizations must be innovative to stay relevant and succeed in our fast-paced and uncertain world. We also believe that the people in the organizations are the key to making that creativity and dynamism happen. So I have the pleasure of having this conversations with leaders and professionals who can share their stories around leadership, organizational culture, and innovation. So today we'll be having a conversation with Paul Ridlin. Paul has more than 25 years of professional experience in civil and geotechnical engineering related to water resources, mining, and public infrastructure. He's currently president of Knight Peasold USA and a member of the board of directors of the Knight Peasold Global Group of Companies with management responsibility for Knight Peasold's operations in the U.S., Mexico, and Brazil. He has almost 30 years of experience in civil and geotechnical engineering related to mining, water resources, energy, and public infrastructure projects with a specialty in tailings dam design, having supported the design and operation of some of the world's largest tailings dams. Knights Peasold is an employee-owned global consulting firm providing specialist services to businesses operating in the mining, power, water resources, infrastructure, and oil and gas industries. So they are engineers, environmental scientists, geoscientists, and technologists that work to create value for clients at every stage of a project. So I thought it was really important to hear a little bit about what you do, Paul. Welcome. Hi, Kristen. Good afternoon for you. Good morning here. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here with us. Yeah, Paul is in, in Colorado and I'm in Barcelona, so we have a time difference. He's, he's waking up to us. <laughs> um, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about you and how you've developed as a leader? A little bit about your leadership story to start off? Okay, sure. And uh, again, uh, a good introduction there. Kind of gave a summary of my overall uh, capabilities. Uh, so, you know, I guess my leadership story is, you know, maybe not terribly different from a lot of others. I kind of always had a, a desire to do more, kind of a, you know, a personal drive to excel and do more and try to take things on and kind of had, a, you know, a, um, you know, kind of a black and white view of the world, maybe as a young person that, uh, wanted to go out and conquer things and do, you know, do great things in the world. I grew up in a little small town in the Ozarks of Missouri, uh, the place, beautiful, uh, but I always kind of wanted to get out and experience the world and see more and do things. And, uh, you know, if you've ever seen the, the movie, it's a wonderful life. The, you know, the scene where James Stewart is, he's going to go to all these places before the crash occurs. That always kind of just, summed up what I wanted to be as a kid and was kind of an in inspiration. And so, but just, you know, over time you, you, you get into different situations and you adapt to them. Um, I 
have moved around a little bit and, and worked in different companies. And what I've always tried to do is just kind of get into a situation and assess where I'm at, how the rules are played, what the expectations are, and then just try to jump in and do the best that I can. And, you know, I've been involved in leadership and different professional organizations, student organizations. And, but as in business, I, I like the technical work, but also like the human aspect and the management aspect. And I find it fascinating how that teams come together of, you know, different people with different backgrounds and different skill sets come together and solve problems. And that's not always easy to do, but you, you just kind of, again, you kind of figure it out. And so I just kind of kept progressing and, um, take, you know, something needs to be done. I step in and try to do my best. I try not to ever take on something that I don't believe I can do, but once I take it on, I give it my all, right? I'm, I'm just, I want to do a good job in everything I step into. Great. Okay. So, you know, you said you're from the Ozarks and, um, and have moved around and I'm wondering sort of, what do you feel like that may be added to your story being, being from where you're from and mountains and I don't know, just, just the nat- nature part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, in the, in the 1970s and the eighties, I guess, uh, I was born in the late sixties and, you know, we, we didn't have a lot. It was a pretty poor part of the country. Um, uh, again, it, we kind of have that Midwest work ethic, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you can do whatever you set your mind to, but it's going to take hard work and you're going to have to use the resources that are available to you. You're not really given things you have to make, make do with what you have. And I think, that, I think that was key in kind of shaping who I was and, and, and who I am today in terms of you know, this concept of, you know, you don't always have everything you need, but, but you do have everything you need. You can, you take what you have at your disposal and, and don't really make excuses for the things that you don't have. You just figure out how to make it work. That's so, amazing. That's an amazing way of looking at things too, because I could see how that could be really helpful for an engineer, for somebody who's trying to solve problems all the time, Right we can solve this. We can do this with what we've got. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it was exactly, as, you know, I grew up on a farm and, you know, we were always fixing things, whether it was drainage problems or, you know, building a shed or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a kid, I, we just figured out how to solve things. Later on, I went to school and I understood the science and the physics behind it. <laughs> like, language. Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, that's that's so interesting. I love I love it, and and I also hear adaptability, um, the ability to sort of assess what's going on, expectations, hard work, and I must say that I'm originally from Chicago. I am from the Midwest, so I I understand that Midwestern work ethic and appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. um, and and then the technical work. So I'm hearing some some elements that probably are are, are you know ways of defining your, your leadership and, and, and work that you do. Um, so how would you, what would you say gets you up in the morning? Uh, well, uh, once I get past the, 
the cynical, the alarm clock. Uh, <laughs> I think what gets me up in the morning is just knowing that there are things to, to be done and I have a role to play and I need to get started doing it so that I can get things accomplished through the day. Um, you know, that, and that is with work and with my family and my personal interests and aspirations. So I just, I like to do things. I like to feel that sense of accomplishment that each day brings. Some days have greater rewards in terms of how much you accomplish than others, but you always get something done. And it's just kind of that desire that I need to get started and, and uh, make progress in the world. And I, I didn't say it when I introduced you, but I believe that you have a big family. Don't you have four children? Is that right? Yes, I uh, have four children. Uh, my wife is a doctor, and um, and we have four kids that are right now range from age 16 to 22. The oldest just graduated from her uh, BS in economics on Saturday, and my youngest is... Congratulations. Thank you. My youngest is getting ready in a few minutes to go take his driver's exam so he can gain that level of independence in life. Wow. That's a big step. That's so exciting. It is. And and it's challenging. You know, it's one of the things uh, as two professionals, uh, we have to work together and make, okay. uh, you know, make sacrifices and having four children has been quite a challenge. Some people look at us and say, how do you do it? And I say, I honestly don't know. But- <laughs> And it worked. It was bloody at times, but it does, you know, it allowed it it kind of part of that has helped to train me that I have to put others and recognize others as, uh, you know, as equals and that, you know, I can't take other people for granted. Wow. And that's, that's amazing. So for you, you've, you've said the human, and when we chatted before you said this, the human part of business is, is really important. And you mentioned how that can even be more complicated when you're working with a whole lot of technical people, people who are normally focused on, on the numbers, on the analytical part. How, how, does, how does all of what you're talking about here lead into how you deal with the human factor? Well, yeah, you know, in, in the consulting industry, uh, which is what we are, um, you know, your only assets are your people, you, you know, in, in manufacturing, you have, you're, you're putting things together and you're assembling products. In in our case, what we do is we're selling a thought product or an intellectual product. And so everything is about our people, which sometimes is maybe underappreciated, but I think everybody, everybody knows that. But, you know, when you really think about what that means, it really is about maximizing the potential of your people. And, and as engineers, we are typically trained, we focus on math and physics and, and turning complex relationships into equations, right? So a lot of us tend to kind of see everything in terms of, well, I can develop a, an equation that will model this behavior or whatever. And, and that doesn't really work very well with humans, uh, right? And so it's just it's just something that creates a lot of times challenges in in technical uh, services and in engineering, where we get very focused on, you know, the the technical solution, physics and the math behind the problem, 
and not recognizing kind of the, you know, these, we call them soft things. And again, a lot of people like, oh, that's just, that's a bunch of, you know, warm and fuzzy type stuff. But, you know, it really, it, it, it's what differentiates. It's your ability to build a team out of these very different people. Because even though we have similarities, all of us are unique and different. And, and so figuring out how to maximize that and get the greatest potential out of your people is the key to success in the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'll, t- I'll say here that I, I have had the pleasure of, of coming into contact with you because of a former student of mine from an MBA program where I was teaching, where I, well, where I currently still teach, but years ago. And he is so pleased to be working with you, um, raves about the culture that you're creating. And so, you know, it makes me all the more curious to say, what is it that that you think makes your company unique? What are you doing that's 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 a little different and is really doing a great job of of helping people be engaged and motivated and 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 excited about about your company? Well, and I think the, I think the thing is, and you know, Diego is uh, is a great ac- asset. The the young man that you're your former student, and um, you know, he came to us and he actually went left after a couple of years, went to another big company and then came back because I think he felt like, wow, I'm missing out. Uh, it, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be in the big company. It, that provides a lot of opportunities. But what happens many times in, you know, large companies where, you know, there's maybe a, lot, a strong command and control structure, perhaps, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like, can I ever make a difference? Can I get people to me? And I think he feels like, and I think many people feel like, hey, I can make a difference and my voice can be heard. We really try hard to um, respect and value every single person. It, you know, it's not just me and my brilliance that trickles down to a bunch of just robots that are doing work. It's not that at all. It's all about each person has a part to play and and has a voice. And I want to hear what everyone has to say and, and and not just myself but to try to create this culture of our leadership of listening and valuing and helping make each person successful so i think diego sees the tremendous potential that he has to to make a difference in the company and in the products that we you know the work products the solutions that we develop and you know i think that's what people want people want their they want their lives to have meaning and value and they want to be appreciated and they want to be respected for who they are and what they can bring. It's, you know, I, I'm just about to finish up Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, it's just, you need to feel like what you're doing matters, even if even if it's in a small way, but you know that, that what you do matters. And and I think that's what we're, the culture we're trying to create is, um, you know, just empowering all of our people to, to fulfill their own potential. Um, you know, we, we kind of have this, this philosophy that if we want to make people successful, so we provide some opportunity and our, our main job is to get out of your way, right? Now we need to have rules 
and boundaries to work within, but we don't want to dictate or micromanage how you, how you go from point A to point D that you figure out how best to get to the end. And that I think is where we're better able to be, you know, be more creative in our solutions for our clients. And I think that's why our clients come to us over and over again, because we have that ability to solve these challenging problems. That, I mean, that's amazing. And, and when I am working with clients on, and in usual, we, we work with clients in creating an innovative space, that's exactly it, is it's about your people and that investment in your people and allowing them to be happy. I mean, if we look at statistics from studies in, in about emotional intelligence, when people are happy at work and they feel appreciated and empowered, they are more able to solve complex problems and to be creative. I mean, so, so you're saying exactly the same thing in your experience. And that's, and that's exactly what Diego said. He, he said the same thing to me. He said, I realized that it was worth it to me. No one ever says to me, I don't have time to listen to you. That was what he said to me. So it's, it must be working. <laughs> no, it's real. I mean, that's amazing. There, yeah, more more organizations should should follow that uh, that pattern. Um, so, what do you think makes uh, your company and your mission unique? What else? Well, you know, um, you know, we. It's interesting. We don't really have a formal mission statement, mm -hmm. which, which I think is a bit of a reflection of kind of the independent nonconformist that many of us are, maybe. <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, if we could, if I could put our mission as a company into words, I, I think it can be best stated as providing opportunities for smart, honest, hardworking people to solve challenging technical problems to make the world a better place. Wow. Especially we, you know, especially focused on mining and hydropower, which are really our primary interests. Uh, but you know, it's really about empowerment and and again, you know, providing these opportunities to make the world a better place. That that's really what our mission is about. Wow, that's a very powerful mission statement. If if it were a mission statement, <laughs> and yeah. I and I did look at you know the website and for the global. Um, organization. And I loved it. I mean, the, there's a very clear explanation of the values that you hold and sustainability and, you know, all of that is involved. Um, can you, could you give us an example of, of a really, you know, a complex sort of issue that you may deal with? Oh boy, gosh. Something interesting. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, I guess something actually we're kind of dealing with you know, right now we just deal with all the time. We have a big project in Brazil and um, it, it's a, you know, one of the largest gold mines in terms of productivity in the world. And, and, you know, we've actually had involvement there for 30 plus years, actually, probably, probably more like, uh, I'm sorry, more like 50 years overall going way back. And for the last maybe 10 years, we've been their primary engineer and it's a very complex system and there are so many different aspects. And, you know, right now Brazil has, is facing a lot of uh, challenge in their mining industry. There have been some tragic failures a few years ago that killed a lot of people. And these iron ore mines that are very different than the gold mines, but, you know, the company we work for um, has a, 
you know, very rigorous governance pro process and, you know, they do good and, and the, you know, the, our dams are very well built and very well designed there. But, you know, just managing expectations. So how to interact with the community and how that, uh, you know, there was a, an equipment malfunction last week and our guys have just poured into, it wasn't really something we were, in, you know, directly responsible for, but it affected our work. And, you know, the guys are just pouring themselves in, solving the problem, working hand in hand with the client. And it's really about, you know, this, we want to, we want to do good, right? So, and we want to do excellent work and we want to serve our clients and we want to be partners with our clients, not just taking their money and okay, thank you very much, but we're here to help you. We're integrated with your team and, you know, all the values come into place that in, in providing service to this client. And the only thing we can't do that frustrates us is right now due to COVID is we can't really jump on a plane and get down there because of the, the restrictions. And so our guys in Brazil are just having to make do with what they have. Just like I talked earlier, they have everything that they need, but they do have what they need. And that's what's in themselves and the people around them. Wow. Okay. All right. So people, they have to be empowered is basically what you're saying. And there has to be a lot of trust. No? Yep. There <laughs> has to be a lot of trust and a lot of adaptability. Uh -huh. You know, you know, Night Peacehold is just celebrating our hundred year uh, anniversary uh, just, just in oh. April, about a month ago. And so, you, you know, you think about over a hundred years, how much has changed that, right. you know, to survive, you know, we've had to adapt and kind of reinvent and 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 change over over the years, and I, I think that's just kind of ingrained in our culture that you know we have to recognize the world around us as it changes and moves, and we have to adapt to it. And and I think you know I think that's where companies survive and thrive for long periods of time. I and mean, we're not the only company. Uh, there's, you know, Newmont Mining Company, uh, which one of our major clients also is celebrating their 100 year anniversary this year. And so, you know, there are plenty of companies that make it to 100 years. And I think all of them, the common factor is that they're able to adapt to their environments. And so uh, and that's something that's so important right now, right? In the in the face of COVID, because a lot of a lot of companies, organizations, small businesses have really had to adapt to be able to to stay relevant or to keep in business. No, so and the ones that have managed are the ones that have been able to adapt. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it it has been uh, it's been a crazy year, obviously, a year and a half now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, a lot of us have had to deal with things we just never really anticipated. Um, you know, we we hear about this, and and you know, as a matter of fact, we were talking the other day. One of our clients, uh, you know, a big one of the top international mining companies, does an annual risk review. And ten years ago, they identified a, a global pandemic as one of their top risks. And you know, you know, Bill Gates has talked about this, and and many others have talked about the this risk of a 
global pandemic, uh, you know, being a disruptor. So we've known it's there, but, you know, very few people have actually had planning in place on what we will do when the pandemic hits. Um, and, and so we've had to just like, it's here, we have to adapt on the fly. And, and, you know, we've, you know, we've just been honest and open with our people from the very beginning. We've said, look, our, our goal is to maintain safety and a, and a constructive work environment for everyone. As soon as coronavirus hit again, with just what I know from my wife, you know, in, in medicine, what I know about coronavirus, I'm like, this is not going away. This is here to stay. So we have to start right now figuring out how we're going to work in this new world, never knowing exactly what we were going to face, but just knowing that, you know, the world has changed in a fundamental way to some degree forever. And so, you know, kind of pulling back and, well, let's wait and see what happens wasn't really an option. It's to adapt and then be able to change as things develop, which is exactly what we've done. And I think it really has, I mean, we, we've had our struggles individually, perhaps, but I think it's strengthened our team. And I think it's really kind of reaffirmed what we're all about and what makes us unique. How do you feel like you were able to keep people connected, motivated um, during during this time? Well, uh, uh, it, it's it's been challenging, but you know, technology. For, fortunately, technology has um, has enabled us to do that better than ever before. Really, I mean, we've had video conferencing and such for a long time, but you know, just it's a little bit of luck and, and uh, taking advantage of what is there. But you know, thank God that. Microsoft Teams, for example, was so robust and incredible. All the other platforms are good, but, you know, Office 365 is so integrated into what we do and the Teams function that we were looking at, hey, this might be something we want to look at in the future, all of a sudden was thrust upon us and it worked. So we did have, you know, especially early on, we had regular check-ins where we would get all the people together on a Teams call and, and just be open and just share. Look, this is what we're doing. This is what our plans are. Here's here's what it is today, but it might change tomorrow. It might change next week. Trust us. Uh, if you have questions, ask. And and so really, it was just kind of keeping that connection. But we also opened up the office as soon as we were allowed on a limited capacity because some people were going crazy at home, and they get back into that office environment where they could interact you know the the need for human interaction is again often underappreciated until it's taken away and i think a lot of us have seen that during during this time while it's very convenient to work from home sometimes people have been really missing the contact yeah, we had our first uh, company meeting where we were all together. Not not all of us together. It was still some of us were, were remote, but you know we have a high vaccination rate and the, the restrictions were opened up. So, um, and again, I'm really proud of our people who have are, have just behaved. Again, you give them 
the freedom to behave correctly, and they will if you have good people, and we have people. So they're very responsible, and we had this this uh, this reunion, if you will, in person, and it was so strange. And we talked about how that we all kind of felt awkward. What you know, where do I ask, and and can I can I shake somebody's hand or whatever it is? We're still right. good hygiene and social distancing and things like that, but it actually does take a little bit of time to kind of readjust and get back to, oh, this environment is different again. And, um, and, but it, I mean, it was just so many people were like, this is great. I have missed this, this opportunity to come together and just, you know, be a team in physical presence with one another. Uh, it was, it was a real kind of, um, it was a milestone for us that, oh, that, you know, brings great. Yeah. Yeah. That no, that's really wonderful. I mean, I do. I, I've heard that from other people as well. That and the ideas flow. Um, people play off each other. I think. I think that's. Yeah. It sounds like you maybe found that a little bit. People were really, really grateful to be together again. Um, so, what what challenges are you seeing heading forward to try to keep up the adaptability, the innovation? Maybe heading back to the office more. What what do you think you're what are you looking at going forward in 2021? Well, uh, I mean, there's still are there's still a lot of challenges to face. Uh, again, we're you know, we're very fortunate. And, and I know, you know, some people criticize around the world that, you know, the United States maybe is, you know, uh, we are not hoarding vaccines. But, you know, um, we are fortunate to have resources here and we are reaching the point of of, of high levels of vaccination, which are allowing us to re, kind of reopen. However, the rest of the world still has a long ways to go. And because we're a global company with our projects all over the world, it does present challenges. I have a big project in Peru. I haven't been able to get there in over a year. I, you know, I need to make at least one trip a year to monitor progress. And, you know, we're working on the challenge of the logistics of how to get there and be safe because we don't want to reintroduce a new variant, for example, that I that I pick up on the plane interacting with someone, even though it may not affect me, but do I transmit it to somebody else? Because, you know, Peru has been one of the countries that has struggled to get vaccines and they, you know, and Brazil in the same, in the same uh, venue that we do a lot of work in. So those are going to be challenges with how to actually do global travel. Uh, the working from home situation, you read about a lot of this in the in the media that uh, it is going to be a challenge for companies and employees to reach a common ground. Uh, there needs to be, I believe, a balance. Uh, we shouldn't be rigid and say you must follow these rules, but we also still have to, you know, maintain this, you know, environment and this creative, collaborative working method that has made us successful. So we can't just go hide in our rooms and just focus on what we're doing. We have to maintain this collective interaction. So communication is, is very key. And, it, and again, respecting the individual and respecting people, but also kind of staying focused on the team concept where, you know, in, in a team concept for in order for it to work, 
you have to put the good of the team ahead of yourself. You're always there to provide support to, to each other. And it's not about what I get out of being on the team. It's about what I can give to the team so that we are overall successful. So I think those are the challenges. Again, they're not linear. They're not formula driven. And we try to make rules and policies. But I think the real thing is to be adaptive because we also have to be prepared. What happens if there's another wave? And what happens if there is another pandemic from another source in the future? Um, at, you know, globalization has brought about this increased risk of, of transmission. And so we have to be prepared for that in the future. So, I mean, I think that's probably our biggest challenge is travel and then just figuring out how to make this new um, hybrid type of environment work for, uh, for our groups. And, and, you know, I was thinking about it as you were talking that in some ways the challenges of adapting, it could be a pandemic or it could be anything, right? And so probably um, the idea of this hybrid that we're all looking at now, uh, working method, was something that was in the pipes. It was already coming along. It, everything just got accelerated. Um, I think I think that's something that a lot of companies were already seeing. How are we doing this? People wanted the chance to work from home. So it's so, so I think adaptability, the listening to each other, the idea of autonomy and yet connectedness. I think that the things that you're mentioning are elements of emotional intelligence, essentially, that are all creating what you're talking about is a very motivated and innovative space at your company. And that that's something to be, you know, to be celebrated. Yeah. And, you know, and actually, and I agree with all that, Kristen. And, you know, I think we mentioned this earlier that at the foundation um, for everyone involved, it, it really must be built on trust. And uh, I like to read a lot of different books. Uh, there's a, a, a bunch of books I'm kind of going through, a series from Patrick Lencioni, uh, who wrote The Advantage and The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And, and he talks about how that trust is the fundamental aspect of a team. And he's not the only one, uh, a, you know, a guy have a lot of regard for his name is Brent Gleason. He's a former Navy SEAL. He has a book out called uh, Embrace the Suck, which is a great book that great stories and uh, very applied. And he talks about in with, with, you know, with the Navy SEALs and with their teams, they have to trust each other. They have to rely on each other. Everyone has their job to do and, and they function knowing that that person next to them has their back. And, and so, and that's something that we as, as leaders, as managers need to trust our people and we need our people to trust us and we need our people to trust each other. So, um, and, and, you know, trust is something that is not, so it's built up over time, but it can be destroyed in an instant. So it's something that you have to keep in your mind and always be working on. And again, you, you know, you, you talk about you know, other, uh, again, other books, practice what you preach and, and let your actions match with your words. And so as a leader, it's very important that you ask yourself, is what I'm doing aligning with my values and with our 
with our collective values and is what I'm doing, is it maintaining and building this, this uh, environment of trust where, where we can all rely on each other, uh, knowing that if I need help, someone's going to help me. And if, if my partner needs help, I'm there for them. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I think that's so important. And I think something else that I, I love about trust is that you really do have to give trust to get trust, right? So you can't just expect it to develop out of nothing. You have to start off off giving it. And I think it sounds like, the, again, I'll, I'll reiterate, reiterate that, you know, the culture you're creating or that you have created, um, it sounds like you're doing that. People, you're trusting people, you're working in, in, you know, a global setting, which brings its own challenges, you know, and, and the fact that you have to deal with diversity and, and different languages and all the rest of it. So, so again, trust is, is definitely a base for all of that. Yeah, and, and it is. And you also mentioned diversity. So, you know, mm -hmm. diversity poses a challenge. So all those things you mentioned, uh, you know, language, um, you know, actually cultural differences also are as important as the language differences. Absolutely. But language is a lot more easier, is a lot more easy to overcome than cultural di differences. Yes, I would agree with that in my yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I really do believe that diversity makes us stronger. And, and it's not, it's, you know, it's not diversity of gender or diversity of race or anything like that. It's just all types of diversity. We have different personalities. We have different backgrounds where we come from. We have different thought processes. We have different skills. And the diversity has the ability to separate us if we focus on the difference. But if we value the difference that the other person brings to the team, it can really, again, make you better. And and again, Night Peacehold is a company that kind of inherently has a lot of diversity, maybe not as much as we'd like, uh, and perhaps especially on the gender side because of just historical trends with, you know, technical, um, you know, technical fields have historically not had as many women, uh, but. You know, that's obviously changing uh, rapidly and over the past few couple of decades, there's been a big increase. So we'd like to do more, but I think it is one of the things that does contribute is that we have such, we have people all over the world and in order to be successful, we have had to, again, value them and use that to our advantage and, and, and appreciate the differences that someone from a different culture brings, which and I'm sorry, but I'm sure you've experienced that. Uh, uh, <laughs> girl from Chicago living in Barcelona, I'm sure exactly. you've experienced that firsthand. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and it's a topic that I, I find so I find fascinating. And and I guess I'm wondering um, if if there's any one specific sort of on a final note, if there's anything specific you could comment on that you you do in your organization to really make it clear that diversity is something you value and to get people to really bring it all with them? Well, you know, I think honest, to be honest, it's something I don't think we have um, addressed enough. Uh, so something that, you know, I've actually been kind of trying to work on over the past year 
is is some kind of an initiative to you know to value and to value and appreciate the differences that we have. I talk about it in company meetings, but it's something I want to do more on. To be honest, uh, I mean, and it's not just because it's a buzzword that all companies are focusing on in their rhetoric. I want it to be about our actions. I want it to be real. And and it's not, again, I'm not saying that we have all of our problems solved, but I think we should celebrate our successes and strive to do more. I think we always should be trying to get better. And, and again, that's kind of a, again, it's a fundamental part of our company is we want to be better. We want to always be improving and, and striving for perfection, recognizing we'll never achieve perfection, but as long as we're striving for it, we have a chance of getting as close as possible. Well, that's that's wonderful, and I think that's a that's a good thing to strive for, being better. And I I like the fact that you you recognize you have, you know, you have some a ways to go, and yet you're you're able to celebrate what you think you're doing well about the diversity and recognizing the value of it in in a global firm. Um, we've got to close up, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Paul Ridlin, who is president of Night Peace Old USA, has been talking to us about how he's been, his leadership story and how he's been working to create a diverse and creative culture in his organization. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Kristen. It's been a pleasure and uh, I wish you well and uh, meet you in person in Barcelona someday. I hope so. So thank you all for listening. This is Human with Resources. The podcast about the human side of innovation comes out on a monthly basis. So please subscribe to receive the latest episode wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do take a moment to rate and review us. Also, check out our website with important links from our show in the show notes. Uh, You'll also see um, the biographies of the guests. And in this case, Paul did a great job of referring to some great books, so I'll be sure to add those to the notes. See you next time on Human with Resources. Humans with Resources, the human side of innovation.